Smoking and Drinking in Space is a proud member of the Earglue Media Network. Ah, the ambassador graces us with her presence. Hello, Mal. I see we have some new faces. Hey, you. Hey, you. Ambassador, this is Shepard Book. I'd have to say this is the first time we've had a preacher on board. Well, I wasn't expecting to see a state official either. Ambassador? <laughs> I'm missing something funny. Not so funny. Ambassador's mouth waves. She's a whore, Shepard. The term is companion. I always get those mixed up. How's business? None of yours. She is pretty much our ambassador. There's plenty of planets where we can let you dock without a decent companion on board. This, this isn't a problem for you, is it, Shepard? Well, I, I certainly... It's all right. I mostly keep to myself. When I'm not whoring. Would you want to meet the rest of the bunch? Why don't you make sure they want to meet me first? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. With me this week is Rob. Say hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. And James. You can say hi, Rob, if you want to. I, I'd rather not. Okay, that'll work. Meanie. <laughs> and this week, we are going to start the Space Western series that Fox got its grubby hands on and fucked up with their scheduling shenanigans. <laughs> Shut the hell up. It's the pilot season, episode one, season one of Joss Whedon's Firefly Serenity. Do you really have to say season one? Well, it's the only season, yes, but it is season one. I mean, what would you call it other than season one at this point? I I don't know. It's the definitive season. uh, It's the only season, so it's not really any season. It's just there. Well, if it's not a season, what is it? A series? Uh, Yes, it's a mini series because that's all they got. 14 episodes. I don't think 14 is considered mini. Almost. That's a long series. Long Uh, mini series. Hey, Night Flyers was that long. And it was a season no, one. It was 10. It was 10. <laughs> they only had one season. Okay, but fine. They left Moving it open on. for two. They just didn't renew it. Shut yeah. up. You're wrong. No. Anyways. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm fantastic. You're both no, you really salty wrong. today. I didn't oh, expect yeah. this. I didn't expect to open up the show and just start getting assaulted. Oh. I didn't assault anybody. Take that back. Well, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Show's James. still young. Uh, he, you could. Yeah, Rob. Look, you're already on his shit list. Yeah, dude. I've been on his like, shit list want, from like 2002. So I don't really be don't on, give a damn. Do you want to be on two shit lists? Uh, bring it. All right, cool. You're oh on the God. list. Oh Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> you're both pretty. Can we can we start the news? Uh, yeah. Pretty. Are you going to do oh, the so news pretty. first? No, I'm going to I'm going to let James do the news first. Oh. oh, sweet. All right. Uh welcome to Bad Game. No, that's man, every yeah. time I screw wrong, it up. Wrong show. Yeah, wrong show. Uh so the news this week that I've got for you that has to do with sci-fi uh revolves around Star Wars Celebration, 
which uh, is going on uh, here pretty quick. April 11th through the 15th. Yep. Something like that. Yeah. So Chicago this year, I'll be there uh, all five days uh, along with a lot of the other ear glue media crew. Uh, I think you might make an appearance there as, as well, or at I least I'm in gonna, Chicago. I'm going to be in the area for a few days. You're going to be yeah. that guy outside the window saying, please let me yes, in. Pressing let my face in. up against the window going, I uh-huh. want to hey, be there. As long as you don't window lick, you're fine. <laughs> I, you know what? Go ahead and window lick. What's it matter? They um, taste so good. They do. They're delicious. Uh, Anthony Daniels, speaking of window lickers, is going to be there. Uh, 3 oh. p.m. <laughs> God. Oh my God. That's a good segue. <laughs> what do you have against Anthony Daniels? What else Everything, has he done other than 3PL? And 3PL, let's just all be honest. Besides Jar Jar, 3PL is the most annoying character in Star Wars. Uh, no, the Ewoks sucked harder. No, they're not. That's not a character. Those, that's a race. Uh, well, but that well, that one Ewok, I can't remember his name because I don't care. Um, he Wicket? was actually he he was an actual character. Yeah, Wicket. Wicket? Yeah. Okay, so is Wicket more annoying than 3PL? Yes. Yeah, because well, I couldn't understand what he was 3PO saying. 3PO had some charm about him. I've got some bad news for you. Wicked is the one that's hosting this whole shindig. Mm. Glad I'm going to miss remember that. The short, like, what do they, I, I don't want to be un PC on this show. If it was my show, I'd be un PC and I don't care. This is your show. So, what do they call those individuals of such short stature? They prefer little to be called people. little people. Yeah, little people. Okay, so, he's the little person in charge, he's the LPIC. <laughs> <laughs> how long have you held that one in your pocket <laughs> did way too long he had it he had it in his notes way too long that's yeah, all so, i got that's that's the news like i don't care because i mean i'm going to chicago to hang out with the egm guys and, and and meet everybody and have a good time uh and this this star wars celebration well i'm kind of excited for maybe possibly them not screwing up this franchise with this last movie not hopeful, but I'm like, you know, thinking they've got a shot. Uh, so I'm just going to smoke cigars and uh, try to, you know, not get arrested or shot. Or well, don't do not do it inside the building. That's, what, arrested or shot? No, smoking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'd go yeah. to a, I'd go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically why I'm going is just to meet everybody and, and chill out for a few days. So. Yeah. You're going to go to a, a cigar lounge with me, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I may not smoke a cigar, but I'll go to the lounge with you. This is smoking and drinking in space, man. It is. He does and the I am drinking, a, I am a reformed smoker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cigars aren't cigarettes. I don't I don't know if anyone ever oh, taught you man. the difference. Yes. I understand. I used to smoke cigars back whenever I smoked. But nicotine addiction is really, really hard to break, and I just don't want to chance that again. Hey man, I hey. might I might puff on a cigar with you. I don't know yet. It's just it's up in the air. <laughs> so we've, moved, we've already the moved left. the needle. We've moved the needle. Shut up. He said no. Shut up. And now he's like yeah. maybe. No, maybe. Just, just both of you stop. I can stop whenever I want. I quit anytime. <laughs> Rob, what do you got? Oh, I've got two things. All right. So the first one is uh, James. Well. We don't talk about that. That's a sensitive subject because then I have to talk about that night with uh, Jason. Um, And yeah, it's a bad day. (laughs) You didn't Uh, think so at the time. Yeah, well, (laughs) 
Hindsight's twenty twenty. Anyway, uh, James Gunn. I got James Gunn news. Uh, he released a new trailer for Brightburn. And which, uh, what is Brightburn? Okay, Brightburn is a Superman-inspired horror movie. That sounds different. It <laughs> doesn't it? So, uh, from what I've seen on the uh, the first trailer, it's basically this kid's got some powers, and the idea is what, uh, and they're similar to what Superman had. So it's what if Superman turned out evil? So, but they he, did a whole comic series on this. Uh, they did. Uh, what was it? The uh, the uh, the Red Sun. Well, mm-hmm. the Red Sun. Yeah, yeah. They. They also had one, what happens if he was, uh, if his morality was shattered. Uh, yeah, you know, when Lois Lane yeah, uh, yeah. was murdered by Lex Luthor, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. But those um, are two different storylines. One was he was raised by the Soviet Union, and mm-hmm. the other was, you know, Lois Lane died. Yeah. You uh, both know much more about Superman than I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to when you wear his underwear. Are you wearing it now? Uh, I like to wear Superman underwear. Yes, it makes me feel strong and powerful. At least he's wearing something, uh, right? I'm, well, that makes one of us. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So it's it's a it's basically a horror movie. Um. And he released a new trailer. It looks kind of interesting. Um. I'm not a big horror fan. Um. Mostly because it's too. Uh. Scary. Uh, no, I wasn't going to. Yes, I, I I can't sleep at night. I was going to say it's it's uh it's it's too easy to know what's coming up. You know, uh, you know they're all the same. Scare you senseless if you can. Well, yeah, and, but it's not. You you go to these movies and you watch them to be scared. You don't go to them for the brain teaser. Well, that's true, but I'm not uh, I'm not a big horror fan anyway. Although there are a few horror movies that are you know intellectual. Yes. Like yeah. uh, Us was excellent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it. I'm waiting. It. <laughs> what are you uh, waiting as, on? Uh, for it to come out on DVD. Well, <laughs> you're in luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm waiting for it to show up in my next Netflix queue, okay? Okay. So what's your next yeah. one? Uh, anyway, so that's coming out. Um, and then my next one is uh, while I was looking for science fiction... Um, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, I was on sciencefiction.com and, uh, a couple days ago for throwback Thursday, they had an article about Firefly. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all they had is they were just talking about Firefly. I won't bore you with the details cause we're going to bore you for the next, uh, what month or so. So uh, it'll be about two months fire- to get through oh, Firefly and the, the movie. So, oh, okay. Well, you know. Why spoil it for anybody? Right. Yep. So I just, I thought that was kind of interesting. I was like, hey, what are the odds? Yeah, they call that a tie-in in the business. They, they do. They do. I don't know what business that is, but in the, the business, business, it's a tie-in. It's the yes. business, yeah. Um, that's all I got. My news article is from thenerdist.com. They did a an article that ranked all seven of the Star Trek series in the order that they think is from best to worst. Now, 
for I, I have a problem with this article just on the surface because I think there's really only two categories. There's good and then there's awful. Um, there's two shows that are on the good category. That's Next Generation in the original series. And then everything else is awful. But they went and ranked it, um, you know, from, from one to seven. And, you know, spoiler alert, they have the Star Trek animated series at number seven, which, okay, that's fair enough. They have Enterprise at number six, Voyager at number five. They have Discovery at number four. Now, this is where I kind of deviate off of them. They have Next Generation at number three, which is a travesty because they put Deep Space Nine before the Next Generation, which is absolutely, absolutely wrong. Deep Space Nine probably doesn't crack the top five. However, they do have the original series at number one, so I can see the argument made for that. I would have put TNG at number one, the original series at number two, but, you know, to each their own. So this article is uh, absolutely wrong, but uh, it'll be up on the show notes along with all of the rest of the articles that we discussed today. And um, So the Nerdist is run by Russians or a Russian bot or idiots <laughs> or all of the above. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the, the article is wrong. And, it, you know, a news organization or, or uh, a publication can't get every article right all the time. I'm expecting any kind of uh, some kind of correction or redaction any day now. So why don't you hold your breath? Well, I'm not going to do that because sometimes articles don't or uh, publications don't like to admit that they're wrong. I just uh, I hope that they have the journalistic integrity to to admit their mistake and and correct it. Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath either. <laughs> do either of you agree with the list? No, not in the slightest. See, I personally thought that the uh, cartoon should have been number one. And that's why we don't ask your opinion. And that's why I never saw the cartoon. <laughs> and I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. It's been fun. All right. So uh, you can check us out at uh, earglumedia.com <laughs> <laughs> Ear forward slash status. All right, guys. Uh, I think it's ready for the pod crawl. What say you? I say go for it. Let's do this. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod Crawl? The pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Excellent! Insert it deep! Pod crawl! Kind of like a space suppository full of information. War. War never changes. Even in the far future war on the screen looks like a World War II beach invasion. Mal and Zoe are fighting a losing battle for freedom from the Alliance, aka Big Government. After the war, a much more jaded Mal and Zoe are traitors slash smugglers aboard the Serenity, named after the battle they lost that defined their characters. Joining them on the Serenity are Kaylee, the bubbly engineer, Wash, the audience analog and ship's pilot, and Jane, the creepy enforcer with a douche donut and no social grace. After almost getting caught by the Alliance during an illegal scavenging run, they make their way to sell off their ill-gotten gains and pick up their diplomatically named ambassador, Anara, from Persephone. Their fence, having seen a bulletin about the scavenging operation that makes the goods too hot to deal, calls off the transaction and the crew of the Serenity are stuck looking for a new buyer. Needing some quick cash, they pick up some passengers while on Persephone. Shepard Book, a missionary, Simon Tam, a surgeon, and some guy, which instantly tells you who's not making it past this episode. <laughs> the Serenity heads to Whitefall where a buyer, and former lead pill dispenser, Patience, agrees to take the merch off their hands. Along the way, a mysterious signal is broadcast from the ship to the Alliance with their current location but is quickly jammed. 
Looking for the source, a standoff ensues where, some guy who turns out to be a fed, is looking for Simon because he smuggled something out of an alliance facility. Kaylee interrupts the party and gets shot for her troubles giving Simon the leverage he needs to keep the Serenity from turning him into the Alliance. As luck would have it, a surgeon happens to be on board the ship and he patches up Kaylee with help from Inara. After seeing that Kaylee is safe, Mal heads straight for the crate that Simon brought on board and cracks it open to find an actual person inside. Simon explains he smuggled his sister, River, out of a government facility where they were doing mysterious government things to her. Mal sends Jane to interrogate the Fed who spills the beans instantly ruining Jane's day because he's a creepy psycho. Speaking of psychos, Mal has a confrontation with Simon and at the end tells Simon that Kaylee is dead. Simon runs down to the med bay and sees Book and Kaylee having a genial conversation while Mal, Zoe, Wash and Jane are all laughing about the prank on the bridge. Psychos. A ship full of reavers crosses their path, a group of crazed, radiation-fueled cannibals who like to fuck their food before, during or after they eat and wear it. On Whitefall, anticipating a double cross, Mal and Zoe make the exchange of their scavenged goods, which happens to be crates full of protein snack bars, but Patience doesn't live up to her name and really wants to just shoot Mal. Jane, who is in an Overwatch position, starts the firefight by taking out cosplay Abe Lincoln while Mal and Zoe take out the rest. Meanwhile, on the Serenity, the Fed brains book and uses as a hostage against Simon. Wash gets notified that the Reavers decided a Serenity buffet was just what they needed and made a U-turn back to Whitefall. Mal, Zoe and Jane make it back to the Serenity where Mal quickly dispenses of the Fed like an afterthought and he and Jane throw him overboard. Wash does some of that pilot shit Mav while Kaylee instructs Book and Jane on how to rewire the ship to pull a hunt for the Red October. The Serenity turns and burns and tosses the Reaver ship end over end as they make their escape. Zoe has Mal take the con while she has sexy times with Wash, Jane and Mal come to an understanding, and roll Mal offering Simon a medic job credits. Okay, first off, you needed a little pause in there because it sounded like they were doing sexy time with Mal, Jane, and... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they were. Sick of there. Okay, I, was I, like, Whoa. I don't remember Jane coming up and going, I believe the French call it menage a trois. <laughs> oh my God, that would have been awesome. Uh, yeah, that would have been yeah. a totally different show and <laughs> might have gotten seen, a second season. Yeah, I think I've seen movies that start like that. Yeah. And I just want to let you know from now on, um, it's just Serenity. It is not the Serenity. Um, if you've got problems with that, you talk to Kaylee. Wait, uh, can I pretend I have a problem with that so I can talk to Kaylee? So you, yeah, go ahead. All right. So, right. yeah, well, because that, that exact same thing happened in the in the episode. So the ship's name is Serenity. Serenity, yes. It is a ship. So if I were going to say they're going back to the ship, I can also substitute the ship's name Serenity. So they are going back to the Serenity. No, no. But see, in the show, somebody says that, and she says it's just Serenity. So she's anthropomorphizing her ship. Good oh, for her. Of course her. she is. But I'm going to call it Please. the Serenity. Because it is, is the ship. She's in love with the ship. I mean, I thought that was the whole thing, right? Right, right. I mean, like, she is. Talk to it. Oh, she talks she to pets it. it. She strokes it. Yeah. yeah. She tells it it's a good girl. Yes. That's right. She does. Mm-hmm. I don't think she does it in a sexual way, Rob, so stop drooling. <laughs> I'm not the one drooling. Shh. Just take <laughs> the blame. Just take the blame. <laughs> So I thought this was a, a really good pilot episode. Now, just to inform our listeners, we are going to take this series in the order that they intended 
to show it on air. This is not the airing series. If we had taken the airing series, we would have been doing the train job first, which is the episode after this one. So this is the pilot that's named Serenity. There's also a movie named Serenity, so there's some confusion there. But this episode was actually broadcast like right in the middle of the season for whatever stupid reason that the executives at Fox decided to do that crap. Uh, I believe the executives... It was not fast enough. It was too right. slow. I believe yeah. the executives at Fox are now the executives at the Nerdist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we call that a callback in the biz. Mm-hmm. Um, be that as it may, we're we're going to take the, uh, the viewing um, as it was intended to be viewed. So... Uh, if you have the DVD series, it's in the it's in the order that the DVDs uh, show the episodes. You can also get the order on Wikipedia, holder of all knowledge. Um, and this one is the first episode. It's, it goes the train job and then bushwhacked. And then if you go off of the the television series run, it gets all fucked up after that. So, um, but this this is the this is the original pilot episode that they um, that they launched. I can't imagine. So it was hard back in the day to follow this series because Fox and their scheduling shenanigans. Um, and I don't remember, I remember seeing this, this episode. I don't remember when I saw this episode. December 20th, 2002. Well, I don't know that I saw it on December 20th, <laughs> 2002 is, is the problem. I think I saw it maybe on a rerun or, or in syndication someplace. Um, but I can't imagine going through the series. It, well, I, I can imagine reverting. because sometimes you would go through the series and things didn't make sense. You, yeah. you would watch no, an I, episode yeah. and, and you're like, where did that happen? Or why are they calling back to this? They had resolved this in another episode. So it's, yeah, the way, the way Fox has, has screwed up sci-fi series, not only this one, but they did the same thing to Babylon five. It uh, just infuriates me. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking or why they decided to do it. I, I get that the executives looked at it and said they thought it was too slow and plotting and they needed some action and and, yeah. and whatnot. But this was during a time where, I mean, there was kind of a, uh, at least on network TV, there wasn't a lot of sci-fi. And so those of us who are sci-fi fans were really clamoring for something like this. And, and I remember being so confused, even to the point where I loved the series. But when the movie came out, I was confused when the movie came out. I was confused. I'm like, wait, I don't, why am I not tracking with everything? And then I went and I looked, I'm like, oh, oh, they messed with how, how it came out. So then, you know, you start watching it in order and then it makes right. so much more sense. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because especially at the end of the series, I mean, well, there were three episodes that never aired. So you don't get yes. those until you yeah, get yeah. to the DVD series. Um but yeah, I mean, if if all you watched was what was what aired on TV and then went into the movie, you were behind because there were gaps in your knowledge. Rob, yeah. you were going to say something. I was. No, you weren't. I didn't think so. Um, I I was just looking at the uh, order here, and I thought it was kind of uh, way off. Yeah, the, the they had the last episode that it's supposed to air, or that that's in the series aired way before anything else. Right. So, yeah, I can see how it was very confusing. 
uh, didn't stop me from going and watching the uh, the movie, but uh, no, but I yeah. think. I mean, it, for me at least, after the movie came out, I wanted to go back and be like, "Wait, I, I remember enjoying this series. Why am I yeah. not? Why why do I feel so lost?" And then you, you go know, back and you look, and you're like, "Oh, that's why I'm lost." And then you start watching them on DVDs, and I, for me, and I think for a lot of fans, that's when this clicked as, "Holy cow, this series is really good. This yeah. story's amazing. Fox and really it, screwed this up. This this could have gone on literally for five, six, seven seasons." Yeah. Yeah, it makes you it makes you wonder what could have happened if it was done in the way that Joss wanted it, you know, it, it would it have lasted more than just the one the one season. Yeah. You know? So, I thought this was a really good pilot episode. It really established the characters in a in a mostly organic manner. I mean, some of it was kind of rushed. I think uh establishing Mal and Zoe Probably they could have gone a little bit deeper into, um, you know, their friendship between them other than just being in the the alliance war. Um, well, and- I guess. But but for being a, a, a pilot episode, I mean, you kind of have to pack a lot into it. And I know this was like a, a two parter. Mm-hmm. And I thought they packed. I mean, I was thinking about that today as I was watching it for the second time this week. I was like they really kind of packed a lot in here and they did it. I thought in a, in a pretty clever, clever way that made sense for TV at least where you get that camaraderie between Zoe and Mal and you get, you get that, um, the relationship that even Mal has with wash and then wash has with Zoe and how he kind of sometimes feels like he's the third wheel. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I, I just, I felt like Joss did a really great job of fleshing out as much of these characters as he possibly could in a, in a pilot episode. Yeah. And, and I know that these characters have individual kind of bottle stories as well throughout the series that kind of flesh out their characters further. So with the exception of book, well, yeah, they didn't get to, uh, yeah, he was character, to, but he they was did to be in season two. Yeah. Yeah. They did flesh him out in a comic series afterwards. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I haven't Which, read the comics, but I did read the plot on the comics, and I kind of don't like where they went with that character because I thought they could have gone some somewhere cooler or or more along that character's lines than where they well, did. But Where did they go with it? I mean, I know we're not talking about the comic, but just uh, so Spoiler it. alert for anybody who hasn't read the comic series and doesn't want to be spoiled. Um, I'm about to go over some high-level plot points. Uh, he was basically um, in the criminal underground. Uh, he was recruited by the Browncoats to infiltrate the uh, Alliance, and um, he became uh, an Alliance officer, uh, became a fairly high rank, uh, got um, got kind of ferreted out as a mole, and then uh, he lost a, a major battle during the Alliance War, but they didn't want to the, – the Alliance wanted to save face, so they kicked him out but didn't, um, didn't prosecute or get, give him any repercussions – uh, for for losing that battle, and then uh, he became came the shepherd. So, you the only, son of a bitch. The only thing that I would change about that backstory is he should have been the one that won the battle at Serenity. Oh, that would have been juicy. Yeah, yeah, that would have been good because that would have given him conflict, even more conflict than what he does with the with the religiosity aspect with Mal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mal is very, uh, and this is coming from a guy with a religious background. 
Mal is very uh, standoffish, very confrontational with him uh, about religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the from the get go. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when he introduces uh, the ambassador, right, right, Anara uh, to him. I mean, you know, no, she's a whore shepherd. Does yeah. that bother you? I hope it you know? does. Right, like he's well, just trying to egg him on. Yeah, and I think that was kind of a, a double. Uh, kind of a double poke at both Inara and Shepard uh, when he does that because he, he's he's doing that with Inara to kind of keep her at arm's length because you can definitely tell that he's got uh, some romantic feelings towards Inara and, and some very protective, um, protective overtones towards her, but doesn't like her occupation for whatever reason. We haven't, we haven't really explored that yet. And he's also, you know, poking at Shefford as well because, hey, we've got a we've got a prostitute on the ship. Are are you comfortable with that? Are you sure you want to you want to hang out with us? So right. I think that was kind then, of a, a dual purpose kind of ribbing there. Oh, for sure. But I mean, it becomes even more apparent at dinner that night yeah. when Shepard asks, he's like, "Do you mind, Captain, if I say Grace?" And he's like, "Only if you say it out loud." No, so, yeah, yeah. He says yeah. only, yeah. I do mind if you say it out loud, so everybody kind of yeah. says grace silently. Yeah, that was a good yeah. one. I almost so, missed that meaning because only when he said only if you say it out loud, I was like, he wants him to say it out loud, and then I replayed the the whole exchange in my head yeah. again. Do I realized you mind what, yeah. if I say it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he certainly has a problem with it. But when you, I mean, when you think about the character Mao, why wouldn't he have a problem with religion and God? You know, this was a battle that he had won, that he had done it single-handedly, that looked like it was going to be a miracle, like the hand of God had come down and protected him and his own and, and brought them through this battle that, you know, he even says they thought they were just going to, it was going to be a, a walk in the park to take Serenity well, Valley, right? He said the and angels then, were coming down. Right. You know? The angels were coming down. So there are, there's, there's this, these religious overtones to the whole thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the rug is pulled out from under him. And they're like, yeah, they ain't coming. So you think the, the battle of Serenity Valley is a losing faith moment for, for Mal? Yes. I absolutely. Think that makes sense. Yeah. I can and see it that. turned him into this, it turned him to this life. He had a surrender. Uh, and then, you know, big government came in, like you said, like you said in the pod crawl. And, you know, instead of person or uh, prosecuting these guys, it was, kind of lets them go and go out into the verse and try to make an honest living mm -hmm. and, and, and or a dishonest like, living. Right. Right. And so he's like, I'm going to stick it to the man. And he still dresses like a brown coat. Yeah. He still, he still dresses. He doesn't want to let go of that. And I think even uh, Mark Shepard's uh, character Badger, for those of you who, who watch supernatural Crowley, I love the Crowley character on supernatural. Uh, he tells him, he's like, you're still a soldier, man. He's like, you think you're a businessman? You think you're a captain? You're not. You're a soldier. So I think there's this, this, this whole episode is fleshing out these characters in a way that, I mean, you don't see a lot. The writing is so good that you don't see a lot anymore and that you can flesh these kinds of big themes out in an episode or two episodes. It typically takes a lot longer to do that. Right. Yeah, and, but I mean, it's it's jarring to see the loss at the Battle of Serenity Valley, and then see Mal and Zoe on on the Serenity. And you don't get any kind of uh, how did it happen? Yeah, you don't get any kind of um, kind of feeling for how much time has passed. You don't get a they feeling. Say six years. It says six years later. Oh yeah, I guess so. Okay, so. 
I'm a moron, but we'll uh, we'll move past that. And <laughs> I remember that now that you you mentioned that. Um, but you don't you don't get any kind of feeling on how he came up with the funds to get the Serenity. What? what well, no, but I, I mean, can't can't that be left up to the viewer to connect those dots? So there was obviously a connection between he and Zoe at the Battle of Serenity, and probably before that because the two. They, like knew what the other one was going right. to do. Like they, he took down the, that, that ship and then he, he saves her life. And then they, he starts laughing hysterically. Like, you know, like this is meant to be right. Like everybody else is dead, but you and I, Zoe, and this is hilarious. Yeah. And, and so I, that's I, how I we roll. Right. So I don't understand why the viewer can't put those together in his, you know, in their mind, like, okay, so the war is over. They've been let go. What do they do? Well, but I, I want to know why Zoe is following him into the abyss like that and why she continued to follow him after the loss of the, the and, and battle. And called him sir. Well, because he, he saved her life at, at least once that we saw. So she is the, uh, the Star Wars equivalent of Chewbacca. Except so Not much hot. Yeah, yeah, a little less hair. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. <laughs> Do I need to leave you two alone for a moment? If you don't mind, thanks. <laughs> Just wait till uh, we, we get to the. We haven't gotten to Anara yet. Yeah, we need uh, to talk about Anara. Let's say Anara or the or uh, frozen uh, Tam Sickle. Tam Sickle, good <laughs> <Yes>. God. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah. So the next character that we're introduced to is, uh, uh, oh crap. Is Kaylee? Uh, is Kaylee? Was it Wash or Kaylee? Uh, was it Wash? I thought it was Wash. Because wasn't Wash uh, playing with the dinosaurs? Oh, he that's was. right. That's right. He that's was. right. That's Which right. was amazing. I mean, that just right there tells you who Wash is. He's playing with toy dinosaurs, right? Yeah. And that's that's yeah. why I said he's he's basically the audience that are watching this show, and he's he's kind of the character that that this show is viewing through. Uh, through the audience's eyes or the audience is viewing through his eyes. So he's, he's the one that is probably more instantly relatable to the audience. Um, and probably why he turned out to be one of the, one of the audience favorites of the show. Got yeah. no opinion on that. No, I agree. I, I kind of, um, I liked how they introduced him in the fact that, you know, at first you see him talking and it's kind of serious and you're like, okay, what's he talking about? You know, as far as, is he talking to the crew or whatever? And then it just pans up and it's, he's playing with toys. Okay, you know, it's like, okay, that's it, pretty cool. Is it that he's so relatable or is it that everything up to this point had been so serious? So they're outside, they're doing a spacewalk now, right? Six years later, Mal and Zoe are doing a spacewalk. Yeah. And they're they're trying to obviously get something out uh, uh, of a derelict ship, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, here's Wash playing with toys. Right. So I don't like I don't know if it's relatable other than everybody's played with toys. I just think that he's but, a fan favorite because he's such I, a great well, actor. But and his Wash also was so well gives written. Wash also gives a lot of the exposition to explain what's happening on the show. He gives a lot of the the technical backstory. He gives a lot of the uh, historical backstory 
Uh, he he's the one that catches the audience up for the most part. I I I guess. I think I think he did a uh, in this particular scene. I think it it helped the audience figure out what the overall tone of the show was going to be. It's we've got some seriousness, but we also have this whole point of we don't we don't give a hell. We don't give a shit of anything. Or we you don't know. give a hell. I like that one better. We don't give a hell. <laughs> or, um, okay, so we need to figure out the Chinese version of this because, you know, they, they slip back and forth. Right. Between Mandarin and uh, English. Right, and that's, and that's something that they don't really explain. I think they explain later in the series, if I remember yes. correctly. Yeah, but they do. But they don't explain towards the beginning of the series, which, is, which can kind of throw the audience off as to why is, why is there so much, you know, Asian influence in this show? Um, why is it so they can cuss? Well, I mean, but even then they've got, <laughs> they've got different cuss words. Like they've got humping for fucked or humped for fucked. Um, they've got Goran. Gol ran. Yeah. Go ran. Yeah. Go ran it or gar, gar ran it. Yeah. Whatever it is for goddamn it. Um, they've got all sorts of, of different analogs that are, are more English, uh, sounding than they are Chinese. Now they do, I understand, you know, Cursing in Chinese, or or they have idioms that they say uh, in Mandarin, but th- that's something that they don't really explain until later in the series, and that's kind of confusing at first too. I get it is confusing, but again, as a viewer who tries to not, I mean, look, I, I want to be entertained, right? I don't want to sit there and have to think about things too hard. I can easily connect the dots in my mind to go, okay, so you know. There's obviously some kind of influence from Earth somewhere way back where, you know, Mandarin has has seeped into the culture at large. Like, I don't, why do I have to overthink it? Why do I have to know right then and there? Because right then and there, what's important is there's a government ship that's bearing down on them and they're trying to steal out of a derelict. Yeah. Well, but I, and I understand that and I get that, but it's the same, it's the same criticism that I had with Blade Runner whenever they did the same thing. Only I think it was Japanese and Blade Runner and not Chinese. Um, that was during the time. And, and that was kind of a, a cultural thing during the eighties too, whenever Blade Runner came out was that everybody was afraid that, you know, the Japanese were going to take over, um, you know, because they were becoming an, an economic, uh, you know, dynamo at the time. Their their economy was was shooting way up, especially during the 70s and early 80s. And so everybody had this fear that, that Japan was going to take over everything economically. And so they started becoming part of the pop culture in movies. And you saw a, a heavy Japanese influence um, in things like Blade Runner, where um, you know, there was a bunch of, uh, Japanese, uh, commercials and, and writing everywhere that was mixed in with, with a lot of Western motif. So I, I'm kind of confused as the Chinese part on this because they didn't explain it. And that wasn't really part of the zeitgeist at the time in 2002, China was just starting to gain some headways economically, but I don't, I don't think they were, I don't even think they were second at the time. They might've been third or fourth in terms of GDP. So, well, I haven't read anything on like what Joss has said about it. Cause I'm sure there's an interview somewhere with him talking about, it. I mean, this has been discussed and rediscussed six ways from Sunday since then, but couldn't it just be as simple as he was taking inspiration from Blade Runner? 
It might be. It might be. So I, that's why I tend to try to not overthink those types of things. Like I get that it can be jarring, but at the same time, when it happens repeatedly throughout, you know, the first two episodes, I mean, it kind of sets it up for this is part of the culture. You're just going to have to deal with it. So the first couple of times it might be jarring. And after that, you're just like, it is what it is. This is I don't understand why they're doing it, but they're doing it. And they'll probably explain it later. And if they don't, I won't keep watching the show. So I'll be confused. <laughs> right. But that's the problem though, right? Because if they don't explain it, it's kind of a gap in the story. It's it's something that they're assuming the audience is going to fill in the gaps for. And is that some is that the work that you want the audience to do? I think it depends on what you're wanting them to fill the gaps in for. I think Look, I think it's difficult anytime you're doing a TV show, especially something as ambitious as this, which is for all intents and purposes, this is what Star Trek was supposed to be, right? That's how it was pitched to William Shatner is it's uh, it's going to be space you know, cowboys in space. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what this is. I mean, to a T. So I think when you have something this ambitious and, and the special effects for the time, are, I mean, they obviously spend a lot of money. Yeah, they look I mean, good even good. today. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it certainly holds up. So when you look at this kind of stuff, I mean, you, you hope that when you're building a TV series, when you're trying to build a franchise and, and Joss knows how to build franchises, that this is going to carry on and you're going to have time to explain it. If you have to, in the first two, three, four, five, six episodes of a TV series, explain everything that's in the TV series no one's going to no one's going to watch it. Yeah, and I, I'm not looking for, you know, long exposition on, you know, the the culture of the time, but you know, just a mention of, you know, the the alliance came from a joint venture between the two superpowers at the time that colonized this area of space, which was the United States and China. That's that's really all they had to say. I mean, that explains everything right there. Maybe it got cut. It might be. Ooh, it might have. Sitting so again, on Joss's floor. Well, again, I mean, <laughs> when you're building a TV show, when you're building a movie even, you have to determine what's the most important thing. So is this something that is super important? Or can can the viewer go, oh, all right, well, Mandarin's part of the culture. No, this is super important to Jason. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I suppose it is. I did bring it, it up is. and we've talked about it for the last 10 minutes. So, yeah. Well, that's because you won't let a dog die. Well, I don't know if it's him that won't let the dog die or I just want to beat the dead horse. It's <laughs> one of those two. <laughs> well, oh, well, this is a space western, so it must be a dead horse. It must be the horse. Well, thing, then it's yeah. my fault. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we also get introduced to um, Kaylee, which is the, the bubbly engineer. She's. Um, I don't know how to take her character. I mean, she's she's fine. She's very much in tune with the ship. I mean, the the ship is her love, just like any good engineer on a, on a ship. She she very much cares about the machinery that she works on. Until she meets Simon. Until she meets mm, Simon, yeah, she's shiny. got a huge crush on Simon. So I think I think. She wants him to be her gynecologist, but I'm not, uh, I may have heard that. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That may have been Jane. So Jane yeah. is, <laughs> he's a Jane pillar of humbleness. I knew he would be your favorite. And I love properness. Jane to death. That dude is awesome. Yeah. 
I, I have to admit I really that Jane annoys me more more times than not. <laughs> How does Gene annoy you? He <laughs> says everything that I would say. I love that dude. I, well, I hmm. I really wanted that ear. <laughs> <laughs> he does have some funny moments, and and I certainly understand um, the, the reason they have his character in the show. He's he's basically the big. He's not dumb. He's the shot caller. He's he's the muscle, um, yep. and he is he is the antagonist to Mal. Um, well, in yeah, a way I mean, they that they set that tension up pretty early. Yeah, he's the antagonist to Mal in a way that Book is not. I don't think Book would be a good antagonist to Mal because Book. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Book it's, is a peacekeeper. He is. I don't think he would push Mal to. I don't think he would push Mal far enough to, to really give Mal pause. Book book is more of Mal's um, moral center. Well, when Mal strays, I think which isn't very often. I mean, he Mal's well. I pretty think got Mal a good has his Mal. own. He's got his own set of compass. Yeah. yeah, He's got his own compass that nobody else has. And I think, I think, I mean, if we're, if we're talking, if we're going to throw back to what, what I had suggested that, that book be the, the antagonist of, of, you know, the Serenity Valley battle. And then, well, he may not make that great of an antagonist. He doesn't have to be the antagonist to Mal. Right. He just has to be, he, he just has to have enough. I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for here, but so he would have been the catalyst that that would have uh, started Mal's turn from his faith, so to speak. And now he's also serving as like like Rob said, the the moral compass when he needs to be of the ship and of of Mal. Yeah, and I think I they're mean, trying to establish Book as the kind of the the moral center of the ship rather than just Mal because he's agreed. He's um. Yeah. He he's giving counsel to the entire ship and and not just Mal. Um, I one of the things that struck me about this episode was towards the end, and the the role reversal between Inara and Shepard, uh, where he was where she was actually giving him counsel um, because he was pretty sure. I mean, he's he's a brand new Shepard in this first episode, and he was he was afraid that he had made a mistake. He was on the wrong ship. Um, so I, I thought that was really powerful imagery. And I think if he's the moral center of the ship, I think she's probably, um, she's probably the soul of the ship. Um, or at least, um, no, I, I mean, if you're going to start, I mean, if you're going to make those connections, I can see that, that she's the soul of the ship. She's the one who, I mean, she's very good friends with Kaylee. I mean, you know, Kaylee looks up to her because for all intents and purposes, uh, and if I say intents and purposes one more time, one of you can slap me. Uh, she is, she's the the worldly woman. She is the the woman who, I mean, I don't want to use this this phrase, but I'm going to. She's the woman who gets around. No pun intended, or maybe it was. Yeah, I, I think there was some intention there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Kaylee wants that, and you can see that when they land on uh, wherever they land to talk to Badger to try to sell the goods that they that they Persephone got Persephone. out of there. Persephone. So you see that she's looking around wide-eyed and she's trying to take everything in. And then Mal rains on her parade and he's like, hey, you need to find passengers. That's what you need to do. Like everybody has a job on the ship. When we land, your job is to find passengers. 
So, I mean, you know, so, so Anara has that, that relationship with her. There's obviously sexual tension between her and, uh, and Mal. There is this, I, I feel like they're equals, Zoe and Anara. They, they look at each other as equals. I don't think Anara really interacts with Wash a whole lot in this episode. No, I don't so, think, I don't think she does. But she's what? also the antagonist to Jane, where Jane wants yeah. to do something impulsive and rash, like kill the Fed. She's like, don't kill the Fed. And so you find her and the shepherd on the same side more often than not, and Jane, and sometimes even Mal, on the other side. Rob, you were going to say something. No, I was, uh, same thing that he said with the, uh, moral, com- not the moral compass, but they're on, uh, her and book are on the same side. Yeah. Or yeah. Book. I was gonna say shepherd. <laughs> this isn't uh mass effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was agreeing with, uh, the fact that, yeah, uh, Anara and, and book are, are normally the one side. And then you have Jane on the other side and Mal sometimes, He's kind of in the middle. He He's going back and forth. But this yeah. is what I was talking about earlier. Like all of these relationships that you're seeing the, this give and take and this pull and push and pull and these sides starting to form and, and moral compasses and souls. And this is all just the pilot episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they did a really good job on establishing the dynamics between the characters on the ship. I'm not faulting them for that. And the criticisms that I have in terms of, you know, some backstory and some um, some clarification as to, you know, the culture and some of the history behind some of these characters, those are minor quibbles that I have with the episode. Overall, Wait, what was this that word? was... Quibbles? Shut Quib- up. Quibbles? Quibbles. What is a quibble? Quibbles. Sh- both of you can bite me. Quibbles. <laughs> I think we should do some research on oh, the I can't fly. wait to figure out either one of you is. fuck up a word. I'm going to be on you <laughs> like a goddamn pit bull on a steak. Uh, on a state? Steak. Oh, steak. Okay. Stop poking oh. the bear, man. Quibble. All right. So hey. uh, next week we're going to have two all-new guests. <laughs> so so how do you spell quibble? Um, oh I was God. thinking Q-U-A-B-L-E. Um if you don't, if you don't stop. Hey, there is a Quobble marketing group. Quality, maybe. Anyway, wait, are you really doing research on the fly for a word that doesn't exist? <laughs> yeah, I was curious. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you know no, what you signed up these for. These are minor criticisms that I have towards Final the quibbles. show. Shut up. Yeah, no, I and, and I get that. I just, I mean. I don't, man, I'm going to fanboy myself out here. This is literally my favorite show on television (laughs) ever. Like it just is. I I could find even with Fox screwing this up and later on watching this all on DVD and listening to the, to the commentaries and all of that stuff. And then watching the movie, like I went through and watched this. uh, I made my wife watch it and she loves this show now. My wife actually watched this with me, too. This is the first time she's ever seen it. And she was like, are there going to be space zappers? Space (laughs) zappers. Zappers. Nice. In fact, she was kind of disappointed that there weren't space zappers because I told her it was a space western. 
And that's, I, I mean, not to switch gears here, but that's the other thing we haven't even talked about yet is they kind of stick to how things work in space. Yes, no yes. sound. I love that's that. That's one of my notes. That's one of that's the first thing I wrote down. No right? sound. Yes, no sound. Like that reaver ship that's, goes by him, and you don't hear a thing. I loved that. The uh, I, I immediately thought, dude, this is where the expanse got the idea from. You know, there are the a show. lot of parallels between this show and and I'm I'm talking in terms of of technicality and um, some of the way they they did their shots and effects. There are a lot of, of parallels that you see between this show, the original Battlestar Galactica, in terms of some of the cinematography and the, the way they did um, some of their shots, and even the music. Some of the music reminded me exactly of, of the new Battlestar Galactica and The Expanse. Um, all of them have some of those, those same kind of docu-style shots um where it's it's somebody you know following people with a camera um right. and and the music and and the way they shot some of the the ship effects in space remind me a lot of those so i, th- I think those two shows took a lot of of uh material from this some some imp- inspiration from this series well I, I read something that uh joss specifically shot anything that had to do with uh the crew um, by hand, uh, they didn't use any steady cams or anything like that. And then everything that was, uh, for the Alliance was all on steady cams and, and, and tracking and all that kind of stuff just to give that, um, that difference between sterile and gritty, you know? Um, yeah. One is very polished. One yes. is, yeah, ab- yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, he was really trying to say something with this show, I think. I mean, I don't know if he was doing it intentionally, if it was just a good story or what, because I think it's politics now are decidedly different. But, uh, you know, this is definitely big government versus the small guy. And that was, I think that was really established in this episode too, when Simon kept pushing and pushing and pushing Mal. And he finally said, I'm surprised you don't work for the Alliance because you'd fit right in. And that was it. That's all Mal needed. And he, and he, and he, you know, punched him. That was it. So, I mean, I, there's that. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think Joss did a really good job with the, this pilot as far as setting everything up and, and like big government is bad. Little guy is good, but the little guy really is just at this point trying to eke out an existence in what we come to find out much later on is a world created by the alliance. Yeah. What? What are you talking about? I don't know. Don't worry about it. I don't want to spoil anything for you, Rob. <laughs> Please don't. I have never seen this show in my life. <laughs> um, this I is liked, all new. I like the juxtaposition between uh, the new and the old technology. Um, they're on a, you know, they're on a highly advanced spaceship because it's a ship that, that moves through space. I mean, it's, it's going to have some advanced technology. But they're making coffee in a porcelain pot. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, I think when, when you land on, when you, like Persephone, it looks like a refugee camp. Like all, even where Badger is, and he's the big bad businessman, right? He's the guy right. who's in charge. This is his den. He lives in shipping crates. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 
So, I mean, (laughs) I mean, I get that when you see the Alliance ships, everything is crisp and clean and, and, and it is top of the line and it's the best of everything. But even the guys who are in charge out in the verse, they ain't got nothing. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's the whole point is these, these outer worlds that are away from the core worlds. Uh, it's basically, you're getting poor and poorer socio and economically as you move away from these core worlds and in future episodes, we'll even see, you know, less and less technology whenever they touch down on worlds. Um, which is, I think, I think it's a, it's a great play on (laughs) spoil alert again. (laughs) I think it's a great play, uh, when they, when they line up that technology next to, uh, you know, some, some primitive uh, or more primitive technology. It's, it, it, it looks, it looks really good. It, 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 the way they've done it, it doesn't look, I mean, it, you, you definitely tell that the, the technology gap is there, but it looks plausible. It, it looks like they belong still. So. Yeah. I wonder right. if that was, I wonder if that was done just for practicality though. Was it really no, an aesthetic I, choice or was it like, uh, we really kind of have to dumb this down a little bit just to save on some money? No, I think it wasn't. I think it was an aesthetic choice. They spent it all on their CGI. Those the effects are so good. Yeah. They're just they are, so good. They are good. They are. They got all the CGI done. They're like, well, we got five bucks. What do we do? Uh, let's go to a dude ranch. Just film it all there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't there like one episode later on where they're just playing in the mud for most of it? Um, yeah, yeah, I think I remember yeah. that. One. Yeah, yeah. That's- it, oh no, it's a mud. It's a uh, it's a town that specializes in mud. Um, didn't they make a statue for Jane? <laughs> they did out, out of, of mud. mud. That's right. It's yeah. a mud farm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that episode. Oh, oh I can't spoiler wait to get alert! To it. That's actually spoiler alert, Jason. And here's here's a little tidbit that I remember because I when I saw. Uh, Nathan Fillion and Adam Baldwin talk about this. That was the last episode they filmed. Oh, okay. And they knew that they were getting canceled when they filmed it. Oh, so yeah, they probably had a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Everybody have awards. Well, I got one more thing that I wanted to mention. Well, let's do it. That I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I, I really liked, and I had, totally forgotten about it but uh until i watched this again is their quarters the crew quarters you know i I thought it was you know they show mal in his quarters and it's like oh well you know that's kind of spacious that's not too bad you know the rest of the ship looks kind of cramped and then he goes to leave and he has to literally crawl out from the floor right um and, and i thought i thought this you know it's like okay even the captain has to make sacrifices as far as uh, it's, it's a perfect example of um, function over form, um, which is something completely different than like in Star Trek where, you know, it's big sprawling hallways and huge quarters for everybody. Right. You know, uh, it was, I thought this was a good, it was a good way to, to show that, Hey, we don't have a lot, you know, but we're, we're making it work. Um, and you kind of see the same thing with Anara's shuttle. You know, everything is very confined. It's a very small shuttle, but she has a space for everything. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's basically her room and a cockpit. Right. Yeah, yeah. You said and I, cockpit. I thought, 
So I thought I thought that was I thought that was really really cool because I had totally forgotten about it. And you know, uh, the very first thing I saw, I was like, "Oh man, he's got a pretty decent thing." And then he crawls up. I was like, "Oh, that's right. They're all underneath." Yeah. One so, other thing that Mal needs to do in his quarters is clean his fucking toilet and sink. No. But I think that was, again, I think that's just an aesthetic thing. I mean, the ship is falling apart most of the time. Yes. And right. I, which goes to Kaylee's gift of being able to talk to, to machines and know how they work and able to fix things. And I mean, yeah, this thing is old and it's crusty and it's rusty and it doesn't look like it's going to get anywhere, but it always gets the job done. Right. She has it where it counts. All right. Awards. Who's got them? Oh, I've got some. What do you got? Who's got your uh, Who's got your black lung award? Black lung. So my black lung for this episode went to the Reaver ship because that whole thing was on fucking fire. Yep. When it was on <laughs> on planet, that yeah, thing was. was smoking forever. That was actually my black lung award, but I I had two black lung awards: uh, the Reaver ship and then Anara because she's just smoking hot. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised you could choose between her or uh, Jewel or, you know. Oh yeah, no, it's Anara. Yeah. Now look, I'll be like, okay. full disclosure. When I was younger, when this show was on TV, I was like, no, I'd take, I'd, I'd take, uh, you know, Kaylee any day over Anara. And now that yeah. I'm older and I've seen, uh, I've seen her in uh, uh, what Deadpool and oh, Gotham. Yes. Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent her every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Ooh, twice. Dang. Wow. Yeah. You're a stud. Um, what about you, Jason? My black, thanks for asking. Uh, my black yeah. lung award uh, is going to go to the Reaver ship as well because that thing was belching smoke the entire time it was in the atmosphere. I mean, it looked <laughs> yeah. like it was it was a climate change machine all on its own. So that's, that's what they use to terraform. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Who's got your head lush? Jane. Jane has my head lush uh, uh, word. <laughs> Jane. That's because I think he's always drunk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, I I actually had the same thing because uh, when they're sitting there at uh, dinner, I'm wondering, okay, is that tea, coffee, or alcohol that he's slipped into his uh, drink? You know, right. I mean, when Simon is when Simon's given his spiel about, you know, this is my sister and they I'm gonna need another drink. Her. Yeah. Yeah. He gets up like, like he needs another drink, and I'm like, eh, he ain't drinking coffee. <laughs> okay, so my head lush award goes to honorary to Richard Dawson because I didn't see anybody drinking and I didn't go as far as to <laughs> assume that Jane was drunk. So Richard Dawson's getting uh getting my award on this this show. Um, for the player award. Um, oh, I think I know who everybody's going to say. Really? Maybe. Why don't you start? Hmm. So for the, uh, so for the player award, I'm going to give mine to Zoe. Oh, well, shit. Ah, see, I threw you off. Because yeah, at the very end, she's, she's basically uh, tells uh, Mal that he's going to be watching the helm while she goes and ravages her man. Yeah, yep. I, I didn't think about that one. It was late by the time I got to the end of the show. <laughs> I watched it twice. Well, well who's I got could- yours then, James? Uh, I, I think for, for my player award, it's going to have to be Simon. Like he doesn't even have to try. And Kaylee's like, 
Okay. Yeah. Let's do this. Like right now. Yeah. She's like, got a Jane huge wasn't crush wrong. on him. Yeah. Jane wasn't wrong. Like he, she wanted him to be her gynecologist, like in a bad way. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. So he yeah, could have said that, it in a little more eloquent way, but yeah, he's, he's, that's he's, not Jane. <laughs> no, it's not. not Jane. Jane wanted his ear. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And All right, mine, mine, I went with the obvious because, uh, you know, she's the resident ambassador and I'm using air quotes. I know that transfers real well in podcasts, but ambassador, Anara, um, mostly because they pretty much showed her, you know, courting a guy. Right. So I, I, went, I went with the low hanging fruit. Wait, when you say courting a guy, do you mean just, you know, having sex? Nah, yeah. Okay. Maybe. I'm, well, I, well, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. Because, well, because, you know, she says that it, everybody's different, you know, so I was kind of, I was trying to be nice, you know, maybe it wasn't always just the sex. They did have tea afterwards. Well, that's because he finished so quick. I thought that was the whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> the, tea, the tea was still well, hot. Well, and then I kind of tried to blame her, right? Right. <laughs> he said, your, then, yeah. your, your clock probably speeds up so that you're cheating us out of time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's when she kind of was like, yeah, just get off my ship. Yeah. 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 But she is, I yeah, hate no, you now. she's, she's super hot. Yes. Su- yeah. Super hot. Mm. Like, can we just give her the super hot award? There is not a super hot award. There should be. Well, you'll but, have to talk to the powers that I be. I mean, about is, that. is that really an award we need to, need to give? I mean, she's going to win it like every episode, right? For hit, for James, yes. But I mean, it could be somebody else for you and I. Oh. Do you have somebody else in mind later on? Are you thinking of? I you don't know somebody the redhead, the, the redhead that oh uh, yeah his Mal's yeah, uh, Mal's, Mal's wife yeah that's right yeah she was, she was smoking hot too and her and Anara did uh, not get along hmm I don't remember mm. that either wait a minute it's Are been a long time since I've watched more? this series damn it I told you I've I made my wife watch this series uh, last year the year before. Uh, and I think since then we've watched it twice. Like this is literally my favorite TV show of all time. And she loves this show too. So <laughs> nice. Purple hippo, purple hippo. So my purple hippo is going to go to Kaylee for the fabulous pain drugs that they gave her after she got shot in the gut. <laughs> okay. um, yep. Yeah. She was, she was out of it. And uh, apparently they were so good that she couldn't feel her toes. So um, she's getting, she's getting my purple hippo. Okay. James. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, she's getting mine too. I mean, that whole thing was great when Mal's holding her hand. I mean, this is the pilot episode, right? Or it was supposed to be. So you have supposed no idea if she's going to live or die. Right. And then she passes out from the drugs and her hand slips. And then like the next thing you see is Mal telling Simon, Kaylee's dead. You really don't have a whole lot of time left on this ship, pal. And you see him yeah. run. You see the shepherd walking into the med bay. You see, you know, Simon running to get in there. And Simon gets in there. And there, Kaylee and the shepherd are talking. And he's like, Captain is a psycho. Yeah. And then they cut to the, they cut to the bridge. Dick. Right. And they're all laughing. Yeah. And then Wash yeah. goes, you're such a psycho. Yeah. They're all <laughs> fucking psychos for laughing at that horrible <laughs> damn joke. That wasn't that even was a amazing. joke. That was just cruel. <laughs> Oh, I thought it was amazing. funny. Yeah, I, I laughed. I uh, laugh every time I see joke. it. <laughs> You're both joke. psychos. About it. Hear me? I'm laughing right now. It's great. Uh, uh, Jane should have got his ear. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's the theme for the episode is Jane should yeah. have got his ear. Yep. All my right. uh my hippo was uh I went with uh River uh waking up from cryo. You know, they said it's a little rough and then she is just freaking out of her head there. It's just screaming and yelling and everything like that. Oh, I thought yeah. that was a little I didn't want to go for the the easy one there. I was like, you know, she's got a and, and then you and then you don't find out how crazy she is until later on in the in the uh, episode. You're like, holy crap, she's got some problems. Yeah, I mean, the disorientation she must have yeah. felt after being, you know, unfrozen from cryo must have been, yeah, outrageously weird. So yeah, that's a good purple hippo. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, man, there's so much in this episode that we didn't get to. Like how they save, they tried to save the the Fed, right? Like over and over again, they tried to save him, just tie him up. Let's, we're not going to kill him. We're going to drop him off, and then, well, the Mal Reverend tried just, to save the Fed. Fed. Well, yeah, no, Jane wanted his ear, and then I don't think Mal, Mal wanted in. him alive either. No, because he you didn't think want, Mal didn't want the Feds after him. He said if we kill him, they'll be after us. Yeah. They'll be after us. So he didn't want that, and then he's the one who ended up killing him. Because he didn't have time to waste anymore. So it's this whole thing of, of fighting against the inevitable. Like, you don't want to do this, but you're going to end up doing it anyway. Right. The universe kind of just hates you. Uh, do you think in the uh, deleted scenes, uh, Jane did get his ear? Before throwing him off the ship? <laughs> right before throwing him off the ship, yes. In, yeah. in my dream wait, 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 tonight. Wait. Hold on, yes. hold on. Yes, he's got his ear. I'm all right with yeah. it now. Thank you. He's he's got a he's got an ear uh, necklace Psychos. like uh, Daryl does on Walking Dead. Yes, on the Walking yeah. Dead. There you go. Yeah, psychos, both of you. Uh, Probably where yes. Daryl got the idea. I was watching Fire. Oh, no, that's true. That's true. All right. Any other thoughts before we get off of here? You two psychos. No, I'd like an ear. Yeah. Are we going to have an ear award later on? No. No, we're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, you can fight it. You can fight the inevitable, but it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. All right. Well, we're out of here. Next show, we are going to be reviewing season one, episodes two and three. That's The Train Job and Bushwhacked. So if is you're. Is it two or three or is it one and two? It's two and three. Are you sure? Yes. Don't confuse. I'm easily confused. Please don't confuse me. Which ones are we watching? We're watching The Train Job <laughs> and Bushwhacked. Okay, gotcha. For those playing the game at home. One and two? Yes, one and two. Oh, my God. <laughs> you two are infuriating. Uh, we got two more months of this, buddy. Uh, anyways. So you this can the last you time can we're catch both out. On. You can catch this podcast and several other great podcasts at eargluemedia.com. Uh, podcasts such as Bad Gamers Anonymous, The Cantina Cast, uh, Simply Stogies, The Basement, Many Faces, The Masters of the Universe, and our newest podcast, The Film Appraisers. It's excellent. Go check those out. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl music is Snack Mix My Machete. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can leave us feedback on our Discord channel at eargluemedia.com forward slash Discord, on Twitter at status underscore podcast, or email us at smoking and drinking in space at doubtlook.com. Please be sure to check out all of the other excellent podcasts at eargluemedia.com. And as always, the, the poorly thought out and sometimes questionable opinions expressed by 
my guest hosts on this show and sometimes me are ours and may not be shared by Earglue Media or anyone else. I'm Jason. I'm Rob. I need an ear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Oh, we'll talk I'm to you James. next week. <laughs>